0: The reading for today is from Proverbs eight thirty-two through thirty-six. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Ashley. Well, good morning. I I am Trey. I'm uh, the family pastor here, and this morning we get to uh, continue in our Proverbs study. Um, Before we jump in, I just want you to know today is your last day to sign up for camp if you're 6th grade through 12th grade And the other is uh, men's ministry study. We're going to start up soon Um, But on the last day of the month, Wednesday the 31st, we're going to have a lunch in here More details will come. I'll email you and if you want to be on the email list, write your uh, Email on one of those connect cards and, and give it to me. I'd love to have that Well, um Like I said, we've been in our Proverbs series, and last week we went over self-evaluation. We talked about how in Matthew 7, Jesus says, Hear and do what I say, and you'll be like the man who builds his house on the rock. Then we also read and talked about 1 Corinthians 1, which says that Jesus is wisdom. Jesus became embodiment of wisdom. And this week, we're going to go through instruction wisdom through instruction, and then next week we'll go through correction, and then the last week we'll go through implementation, and I'll jump into more of the paradigm of how we understand how those connect, but the reason we chose those things for the week is we were praying and thinking through Proverbs, how do we, how do we communicate Proverbs in four weeks, and what we thought was, where we landed was, the four biggest pillars that wisdom from Proverbs lands on is self-evaluation, instruction, correction, and then implementation, And so we're going to focus on those. Um, Today it happens to be Proverbs 8, so open your Bibles to Proverbs 8. I'm going to be jumping around 8 and a little bit into 9, so it would be helpful if you just have it out in front of you, um, and that way you can follow along with me. And uh, I want to kind of, before we jump in, just give a little bit about Proverbs. Proverbs is a dad trying to teach his son. If you are a parent in here, you understand what Solomon is going through As best I can, I'm trying to give my son wisdom. And all I can do is pray that he receives it. Maybe you are a son or a child in here, a young woman or a young man. And you read Proverbs. This was written to someone like you. That you could gain wisdom and understanding. So when you open up Proverbs, know that it's not just a book with words for wisdom. It was written from a dad. To his son. I'm wearing socks right now with my son's face on them because this is the perfect time to connect a man's love for his son. And so, therefore, I have socks with Presley's face on them too. I'll wear that when we maybe the week where we go through Proverbs 31. So, got some Bible people in here. Um, well, there's two main parts of Proverbs. It's sort of uh, uh, dissected into two main parts. You have chapters 1 through 9, which go through um, long discourse, extended discourse, and then and that's what we're going to be looking at today, some extended discourse. And then the 10 through 31 is all this sort of uh, different sayings. Um, it's assorted advice, it's observations, it's warnings. Some people will break up Proverbs into seven sections, but mainly there's two. There's the extended discourses and then the assorted Advice, Um, And so, like I said, we're going to be in chapter 8. And chapter 8 is wisdom being personified as Lady Wisdom, and she speaks. So that's what we're going to read from. Um, And we don't just want to know what God has written and love it. We also want to love and know the way God has written it. So this sort of poetry is constructed in halves. So there's an A statement that connects to a B statement. And there's three main ways that we understand these these A and B statements and the way they connect. First is terseness. The point of it is to be compressed language, to take big ideas and communicate a lot using few words, so terseness. Uh, Another reason for this and style of this um, poetry is imagery. There's going to be simile and metaphor and allegory and personification like today and irony. And then third, there's parallelism. And there's going to be different ways that the Statement A connects with statement B, and they put them up next to each other. You have the antithetical, where statement A is not like statement B. You have better than and numerical. Um, so I encourage you, as you read through the Proverbs, to look for those different things, because we want to love what God has written and the way he has written it. He wrote it that way for a purpose. Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Uh, Heavenly Father, Um, I pray it would not be my word that I give this morning, but your message, your word. And I pray that you would open our hearts, give us your spirit, fall on us afresh. And I pray that you would grant us understanding, illuminate our minds and inflame our hearts to be moved and changed and grown by your word. God, what is it Proverbs that you, you wrote in the Proverbs to give to us so that we might have life? Lord, I pray that we would understand it, that we'd grab hold of it. Um, And I pray we would be encouraged, but I also pray, Lord, that you would not let me treat in any defective way this excellent matter. And God, I pray that we would see fruit from this. In Jesus' name, amen. This is my question to start us off. What do you want? What do you want most? Some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, I want retirement. Some of you are sitting there thinking, I want a better job. I want a job that makes more money. Well, I want a bigger house. We're having more kids. Some of you are like, I want another kid. Some of you are like, I, I don't want another kid. <laughs> some of you want so deeply to get married, and some of you want so deeply to not be married, and that's not what we're... But what is it that you want most? And I would argue all of us actually want the same thing. We just disagree on how to get it. What you want most is to be happy. Now, I, pause. I know some of you are like, no, no, no. You, uh, joy is different than happiness. and Yes, okay. But the umbrella of happiness is you want most to be deeply happy with joy. And Proverbs promises a way towards that. Proverbs promises that through wisdom. Many of us might say that we like to decide what is wise and what is not based on how we feel right now, and Proverbs would disagree. Proverbs would say there's objectively things that God has created that are wise. People would even say we deserve to be happy. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, well, you deserve to be happy. Have you ever thought, is that actually objectively true? Proverbs would argue that that's not true. We'll see today that there are people who choose not to listen, and they are fools. And there's people who choose to humble themselves and listen, and they gain wisdom and life. Proverbs invites this love for wisdom, for lady wisdom, because she promises deep joy and life, and then folly promises life, but gives death. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So here's the big thing. When you go home, this is if, if your kids, if you go home and mom is like, what did pastor talk about today? This is what I want you to say. When you guys go later today and you're eating brunch and getting breakfast tacos at, um, what's that place? It starts with an O, Otros." Um, and when you're getting breakfast tacos at Ochos, this is what I want you to be... Th- this is... When you're like, I can't remember what he said, this is what, this is. it. The humble learn, fools don't. The humble learn, fools don't. So I, I kind of... I wrote a couple of my own proverbs. They're not nearly as good as any of those proverbs, but they help... <laughs> They help uh, orchestrate what we're going to talk about today, and um, the first one is this: many years means much experience, but much experience does not mean much wisdom. Many years means much experience but many much uh, many uh, much experience does not mean much wisdom without the humility to learn, wisdom will not come if you Keep banging your head against the wall, and you don't learn from the pain that you're, you're, to listen to the pain that's in your head because you've been smashing your head against the wall. You will not stop. You can have all the experiences in the world, but if you don't have the humility to actually listen, you will not gain wisdom. So to learn, you must first listen. Look at uh, verses 32 and 34 with me in chapter 8. It says, And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways, hear my instruction, and be wise. And do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me. To learn, you must first listen. And wisdom is calling. Now look at at chapter 8, look at verse 1 with me. Wisdom is calling out. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? She's not quiet. On the heights beside the way. On the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in the front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud. Everywhere where there's people, wherever people are going, she's calling out to everyone. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, O trade, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. She's calling to everyone. The fool wants only to speak. The wise, the wise one wants to listen and learn. See, the fool who humbles himself is a fool no more. If you're a fool today or you've been a fool in the past, it doesn't matter. You can always choose wisdom. And if you've been wise in the past, it doesn't matter. You can always choose foolishness. The humble learn, fools don't, and to learn you must first listen. Wisdom's instruction is everywhere. Therefore, we should be students of everything. Wisdom instruction is everywhere. So then we should be students looking for wisdom everywhere. Uh, I think there's four main ways that we can gain instruction and find wisdom in it. The first is, is through experience. There is instruction in experience, but experience without humility, like we said, to learn, is like rooting for an Arizona sports team. It's pointless and a waste of time. I, I grew up in Arizona. I've been rooting for AZ Sports my whole life. Uh, I was here in 2001. I was a nine-year-old kid. I loved baseball. I played baseball. And I got to watch the D-backs go and win it. The only other team that's ever won championships is the Rattlers. And none of you know who they are. But <laughs> We have like eight championships. Did you know that? In the Arizona football league, or in the arena football league, and in the indoor football league. Nobody cares. (laughs) The one team that actually wins things, and all the other ones, oh, I guess the Mercury did win. You you were right, yeah. The Mercury, I won't make any jokes about that. Um, But here's the point. When we don't have the humility to learn, it's pointless and a waste of time. Our experience. Pain and joy can be great teachers. They can be great teachers. But you have to listen. Many of you are like, no, I want to not ever have pain. And I'm saying, yeah, but it can be a great teacher. It can be a blessing to help us learn from wisdom. Uh, I come from a family of firefighters. My dad's a firefighter. I have two uncles that are firefighters. If I wasn't in the pastor, I'd probably be a firefighter, because um, I'm super macho and like manly. Um, but the, I love the job. I have respect for the job. But you learn a lot of things in the culture. Um, if you don't know any firefighters, you may not know this, but firefighters hate two things. They hate change, and they hate the way things are. <laughs> I can say that, fire family. I love the job. I've, I've, I respect those guys a ton. But there is this department. I won't say which department it was, but uh, a few years ago when they got new Rosenbauer engines, they ended up um, having uh, brake issues and they ended up regularly crashing. And they're like, "Something is wrong with the engineering of this dang machine. This apparatus is like supposed to have all the bells and whistles. And then it, for whatever reason, continues to crash on the silliest, it's brakes. Come on, can we get brakes, right? Well, they did an investigation. They found that this department washed those tires every single day. At the end of the day, they'd wash the tires. Well, it jacked up the brakes. They didn't work. I'm like, well, why do they, why do, they do that? It went all the way back to where they had horses pulling a wagon. And they would wash the wooden wheels to get the mud off. And they just kept doing it. And they would not learn until there was pain. Until pain woke them up to listen. And then finally, they stopped doing that. The engine's good enough. It'll, the brakes will work. You don't have to clean the tires every day. It doesn't need to look like it just rolled off the lot tell a firefighter that and he would disagree. But anyway, the point is, pain and joy can be great teachers. Our experience in life can be a great teacher, but we have to listen. We have to be listening to what's going on. We look for instruction and experience. Another way that we can get instruction is in other people's teaching. And it would be, it'd be wise to listen and with discernment to everyone. We want to find wisdom in the instruction given, regardless of who the instruction giver is. Uh, we, the, the thing with um, who's giving the wisdom Sometimes we care so much more about who's saying it than what's being said And in us, we either open or close our ears If we could do that But uh, we do that based on who's speaking But the wise person looks for it anywhere And they listen with discernment Because lady wisdom is not the only one calling out Look at chapter 9. We're going to jump into verse 13. It says, The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol or or the grave. So where does Lady Folly take you? Into death. Promising all this wonderful, sweet things, taking you into death. So we have to listen to other people's teaching. We should listen to everybody, but we should listen with discernment. Is it right instruction? Another way we can get instruction is through correction. We'll talk more about this next week, but correction is for learning. Or, excuse me, instruction is for learning. Correction is for unlearning. So that's sort of the paradigm that I understand that to be, and we'll say more about that next week. And then, uh, last way that I think we can really gain instruction is through seeking. Look back at verse 34. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates. Watching daily, waiting beside my doors, actively seeking for wisdom. You can find wisdom if you seek after it. So what does it mean today to watch daily and to wait for wisdom today? What does, that, what does that mean? I think first it means we should listen more than we speak. You have more ears than you do mouths. So it makes sense that we might listen more than we speak. When you walk into a meeting or you walk into a room, are you the first one to open your mouth? Or do you open that door knowing when you open that door there are things you don't know? And you can't know what you don't know unless you learn what you don't know. So then when you open that door, do you walk in ready to learn? Or do you walk in and just start opening your mouth and talking? You, when you go to coffee with your friend, do you sit down and are you the first one to just start blabbering and talking? Or do you listen? If you to take inventory of how many words come out of your mouth versus how many words you're hearing, and you just have a little bit of self-evaluation on that, I'm sure many of us would find that we like to speak a lot more than we like to listen. And that when we're listening, we're just thinking about the next thing we're going to say. I think wisdom would have us listen more than we speak. There's this uh, poem that I read to Presley every now and again. She doesn't love it, but I love it because owls are the coolest bird in the world. I don't care what you say. Um, but there's the wise old owl who sits in an oak. The more he heard, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we be more like that wise old owl? I love that one. She doesn't. She, she would rather do the Humpty Dumpty thing where she crashes and, Well, we can learn if we listen more than we speak. Another way that we can seek after wisdom is looking for wisdom, even when it's not given in a preferred manner. Even if it's not given in a preferred manner. This, of course, is not me because I have the best boss in the world, but I'm sure you guys have never had a boss speak less than lovingly to you. Can you hear the instruction and wisdom in it anyway? or a peer who's calling you out on something and you just don't want to hear it Are you, can you humble yourself enough to hear wisdom and instruction even when it's, it's not coming in your preferred manner it's not coming from your idol in life or how about a spouse sometimes our spouses know us a lot better than we do and they're able to give instruction in ways but yet we're like yeah that's my spouse though familiarity sometimes breeds the most hostility and I don't know why that is but we treat the people closest to us the worst. And when they have something to say, those are the people we should listen to the most. Or How about a stranger? Well, I don't have a relationship with you. I don't even know you. Does it change the fact that what they're saying could have wisdom in it? No. Are you wise enough to humble yourself, get out of this whole being hurt thing for a minute, and just think, is there wisdom in the instruction that's being given to me? Because if there is, objectively, that can help you, and a wise person would take it. Another way that we can seek after wisdom is reading. There's this old rich guy, like billionaire. They're all like, "Man, how did you get so rich?" He's like, "I read a lot. I learned a lot of things." I'm like, "Oh man, I would have loved to read, but but I hate reading." And the millionaire billionaire goes, "I hate reading too." But what does what I do and what I want to do have anything to do with each other? That was a wise statement he said. Reading is good for seeking after wisdom. Read as much as you can and read with discernment. Another way that we can seek after wisdom today is seeking wisdom instead of entertainment that leads us to mindless checking out, but instead seeking something that might stir up your heart for something good. Does that stir you up towards Christ? You know, we said wisdom's instruction is everywhere, so we want to be students of everything. But what keeps us from being good students today? What keeps me from actually wanting to remove my self and listen? And it's pride. Pride is the number one thing. Thomas Saz, he's a psychiatrist, very smart psychiatrist. He passed away in, I think it was 2020. Um, but he was quoted saying, Every act of conscious learning requires the willingness to suffer an injury to one's self-esteem. That is why young children, before they are aware of their own self-importance, learn so easily. Claude Bernard, who's the guy who originated the term homeostasis and the understanding of diffusion and all of that, which all of you have studied and know what I'm talking about, um, he was quoted saying, "There's a brilliant man who learned a ton and discovered a ton. It is what we know already that often prevents us from learning. Our pride keeps us from wisdom we become fools because we were once wise we must humble ourselves to learn so the humble learn and fools don't my next proverb is this instruction heard is good instruction applied is wisdom listen and do another way that we can say this wisdom is applying right instruction rightly We talked about discernment earlier, so we want to absolutely discern is this right instruction and we also want to apply it rightly. Application or or implementation is necessary for wisdom. Look back at verses 32 through 34 with me. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Oh, I started in 34. Jump up, 32. And now, O sons, listen to me Blessed are those who keep my ways, hear instruction, and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching, waiting. First there's listening, and then there's doing. Learning requires listening and doing. So what is it that I mean by right instruction rightly? If we apply wrong instruction or we apply right instruction wrongly, it does not lead to the blessed life that wisdom promises. It's like trying to say we can do better. I can do better than whatever that is. Um, second best top five movies in the world. Second best movie, I'm sure, of all time. First, of course, is uh, You've Got Mail. The second is <laughs> the second is Cars, naturally. Um, Lightning McQueen is the main character... He's the splashy race car. He's in his first year, and you know how young bucks are. Um, Well, he ends up finding himself in this town. He can't learn how to make this turn on a dirt track, and so he doesn't want to listen to this older, wiser car, because he's a crazy old car. And that car says, if you turn hard enough left, Doc Hudson says this, you'll find yourself turning right. But Lightning McQueen doesn't listen because... He doesn't think this guy knows who he's talking about I've only seen him drive a few miles an hour at a time Turns out he was one of the best race cars Has three piston cups, all this sort of thing And so he wrong, Applies the wrong instruction Because he didn't listen He said turn right to turn left that doesn't make any sense So he ends up turning right instead of turning left And he turns into the cactus What Doc Hudson said was Turn hard enough left to find yourself turning right It's very different We do that We don't listen. We apply things wrong. So we want to apply right instruction rightly. So let's make sure that instruction is right. And when wisdom is applied rightly, it leads to order. If you got to hear me preach back in December, I talked about how when the Spirit's presence brings His presence, He brings order. Order is the proper working of things. And when God created the world, He brought order. He created an applied wisdom in the creation of the world, and it brought order to chaos. Uh, Look at uh, verse 22, and we'll we'll read on uh, for a little bit. This is wisdom speaking again. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. The first of his acts of old, ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water... Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before He had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. Here we go. We're going to start hearing that order uh, language. When He established the heavens, I was there. When He drew a circle on the face of the deep, that word "deep" is to home, and it means it means a chaotic uh, uh, waters or chaotic ocean. When he made firm, order, the skies above, when he established the foundations of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limit, proper working, so that the waters might not transgress his command, order. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight. The Lord delighted in wisdom, Rejoice, rejoicing before him always. Wisdom rejoices before the Lord. Rejoicing in his his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Wisdom delights in the children of man. Many of us would say in here, well, common sense ain't so common. Most people are not wise. But this is saying you, everybody, was designed to operate and walk with wisdom. It's a disorder that we would be fools. You were made to be someone who stands upright and walks in wisdom. So we want to know right instruction and we want to apply it rightly and that brings order. Think about when we act wisely and how much it brings order to our life. Um, I'm going I'm to go straight for the jugular uh, with our mouths. Uh, Proverbs 13.3 says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. How many of you, I'm sure none of you, how many of you ever had to stick your foot in your mouth? All of us. We've all done that. But when we apply wisdom to our mouth, when we apply wisdom, it brings order and things work properly. Otherwise, it brings ruin. Proverbs fifteen thirty three says, The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. And humility comes before honor. Many of us want honor, but we don't want to humble ourselves. But if we applied wisdom To our own learning and humility, we would find it leading us to honor and order things working properly, as opposed to disorder. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. I know know all of us know anger because it's a human thing. But do we sin in our anger? Do we act wise in our anger? Scripture even says to dads not to provoke their kids to anger. And I think there's something unique about that, because I think men are quicker to can be quicker to sin in anger. Now, of course, this is archetypical. I know that women can be just as bad as sinners. But there's, I don't know if it's a testosterone thing, but we should really think about how often you actually get what you want when you lash out in anger. You don't. You just cause hurt, makes it worse for you. You say something you shouldn't have said. But if you apply wisdom to your anger, you find that it brings order. Slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Who do you give your time to? I think for us today, almost as importantly as, what shows do you give your time to? What characters and shows are you giving your company to? If you're watching The Office, naturally, you are getting more wise. Um, Dwight Shrew, we keep this, I don't know if you saw this, we have this little sign here and we keep it in the back always, but uh, Dwight Shrew was quoted saying, before I do anything, I ask myself, would an idiot do that? And if the answer is yes, then I don't do that thing. That's wisdom, people. So we think about the shows that we watch, naturally, The Office makes us more wise, but which characters are we giving our time to? Do they actually stir you up in the right ways, or are they just making you dying slower or quicker? You're either growing or you're dying. There's no maintenance. I don't care what people say. Um, right instruction to be, to be applied rightly means it must also be good. For right instruction, to be applied rightly, it must also be good. Look at verse 6 with me. Hear, for I will speak noble things. And from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands. And write to those who find knowledge. Take my inscription instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of evil, and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom, I have insight, I have strength. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. Here it is. And I walk in the way of righteousness. In the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Wisdom is inextricably bound to goodness. And that brings order. That's good. Things work properly. But wisdom is not unethical or immoral. It can't be. And wisdom brings blessing in life. But for instruction to be wise, it must also be good. It dwells in righteousness and justice. Uh, of course, because we're Christians in here, we've not read Harry Potter, but, uh, which, of course, I have not either. In Harry Potter, at the very end of the very first book, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Harry is uh, in this showdown with Professor Quirrell, who's the bad guy. If you haven't seen it or read it, I ruined it. You're welcome. And uh, they're standing in front of this mirror. The mirror is called the mirror of Erised. If you spell it backwards like it's in the mirror, it's the mirror of desire. So the mirror, you, some of you are like, oh. So the mirror of Erised shows you what you most deeply desire. And it was worked to where only the person who had pure motives could get the sorcerer's stone. But if you wanted to use it improperly, you wanted to use get it and use it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't be given to you. Wisdom is very similar to this. Wisdom is taking right instruction and applying it rightly. If you take right instruction and apply it wrongly, it's not going to give you wisdom. You're not going to find it. And for it to be wise, it has to be married to goodness. So you don't just go after wisdom so that you can exploit wisdom to get gold. It's more precious than gold. You don't exploit it to get selfish gain. It in and of itself is worth your love. So we pursue after wisdom rightly for wisdom itself. And for what that brings, which it says its inheritance is life. He who finds that stone with pure motives finds it. But he who intends to use it improperly will not find it. There you go. I just made that Christian book. You're welcome. <laughs> but we should love wisdom. Wisdom because it is good. But loving wisdom is different than loving what seems right to you right now. Let's finish uh, chapter 8 here. 35 says, oops, sorry, I hit the poof thing, Mike. 35 says, "For, For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. You're blessed. You find life. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Folly leads to death. You're either on the path of wisdom or you're on the path of folly, and they have ends that are sure. And death is just the absence of disorder. I've said this before. Sorry, death is the absence of order. It is disorder. I've said this before. Um, when, When a machine is working properly, it's because all the things are ordered and working the way they should. As soon as you disorder it, that machine no longer works. When people die, they don't just die because they got old. They die because something stopped working. I was, I'm a paramedic still. Um, in the summers, I try to do the wildland thing and be a f- firefighter for wildland um, firefighters. And uh, I still know this. There's no such thing as just dying of old age. People will say that. That's not the case. Something gave out. The kidneys, the heart. Something, but what ultimately it led to is you weren't getting perfusion, or the so you get hypo, not enough perfusion, which is where you're not getting enough blood to the right things. You're not getting oxygen. You're either not oxygenating the blood, the blood is the wrong acidity, um, all of that. Something's not working. Probably it's disorder that brings death. God designed things to be ordered and right. We disorder them when we choose folly. And these are the two paths folly and wisdom. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Proverbs is, two paths, there's not a third. In the yellow wood. That was from Robert Frost's Road Less Traveled. That was one guy. Another guy talked about two roads too. And he said this. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Instruction is everywhere. To those who choose life, they will humble themselves and learn from wisdom. To choose the path of wisdom, though, which leads to life, one must hear and do what wisdom himself said. The humble listen and learn, the fool doesn't. So what did wisdom himself say, wisdom in the flesh? The most life-giving and order-creating instruction ever given, Jesus said, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent, turn from the foolish path, and turn towards the wise path, which is Christ, because he leads to, to life. There is no other name under heaven or in heaven by which we will gain life but Christ and Christ alone. And Jesus walked the path in a wise way, our foolish path, died our death we should have died so that we could walk the path of wisdom and have life. Jesus said this in Matthew 11, and as I close, this is what he said, "'Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, "'and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke, not the yoke of foolishness, but the yoke of wisdom. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The most wise, truly wise man that ever lived, Jesus gave the most wise instruction he could ever give. Choose him. Yoke yourself to him. Let me pray and then we'll move into our time of response. Heavenly Father... Thank you for this word. Thank you for your word. I pray you would deepen it in us and help us understand it as we take this time to look back at your coming um, where you sacrificed yourself for our life and we look forward to your time when you come again and that's fully realized. We get to fully realize the the eternal life you've given us. I pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged by it um, and we do it faithfully. Bless us as we worship. Bless us as we give. Bless us as we pray in Jesus' name, amen.